Good morning. The energy here is amazing. Beautiful imperfection. No performance that... Um, mm. Well, I'm excited to be here. This is fun. Um, I've never preached before, so I'm not really calling this preaching. Um, teaching, talking, chatting, yeah. Um, so bio-spiritual focusing. Um, we'll get into that. Um, the Buddha says every man and woman is the architect of their own healing and their own destiny. And... There's also wisdom that says uh, it's not just that disease starts in the mind, but that everything starts in the mind. Um, so biospiritual focusing, we're going to talk about um, something called felt sense. Can you relate to um, the warmth of sun on your skin? Yeah. Or that feeling, um, I've got to go to the bathroom. If you've gone through menopause, you know that feeling. <laughs> or you've had a two-year-old. Uh, the feeling that, you know, there's, that there's, a, there's a crick here, you know, something is not quite right. We have feelings of joy. We have feelings of sadness. And um, what's fun about living in our age right now is that science is catching up with some of the things that um, we've always known and maybe culturally we've forgotten um, and one of those is that our body has its own wisdom and that we can heal ourselves um, but sometimes we have to get out of the way and let our body do its thing um, I'm going to quote you a little bit from a documentary called Heal and there are several teachers in this documentary um, there is a natural intelligence that leads those cells from the embryo to the baby. There is a natural intelligence that leads the acorn to the oak tree. There is a natural intelligence that keeps the planets revolving around the sun. We would not have been able to evolve without having a mechanism which allows us to take a hit. And that's what disease is. That's what injury is, you took a hit. But the immune system is the way our body corrects this. And that intelligence is what gives us life, keeps our heart beating, um, helps us digest our food, that runs through the autonomic nervous system. It is the greatest healer in the world. All we have to do is get out of the way. Reminds me of breath and I think I'm in the right place because you've used breath meditation a couple times already this morning um, it's one of my favorite practices because you know breathing is something that I know how to do um, and when I forget my body does that um, and in the Christian tradition you know we talk about the Holy Spirit breathes in us um, the divine breathes in us whether we are uh, thinking about it or not. So that's kind of nice. I don't have to remember. But that breath is a connection to everything that lives. 
everything that lives has some kind of breath. And that's one of the things that connects us. Um, so this, I'm going to switch glasses. I can't see you as well with these glasses, but I can read my paper. So um, focusing and biospiritual focusing comes from, I have learned a few different traditions. Um, it's in the Buddhist tradition. It's in the um, Muslim tradition. Um, they don't call it the same things. Um, it's in a completely non-religious space, and it's in the Christian tradition. Um, and I'll talk to you about how I've learned it, and then we'll, we'll talk about it in a couple different ways. Um, I have no time, idea what time I started, so if I go on for half an hour, stop me. <laughs> or just go home, no. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so the, the, the method that I learned is called focusing, and it really started with this guy named Gene Gendlin. And Gene calls himself a philosopher um, and psychiatrist. And he was part of a study in the 50s um, through the University of Chicago. And they were trying to figure out what, make, what, what, is the, what happens be when in therapy when some people get better and some people don't. And they recorded a bunch of sessions, and I'm sure there was a, a, a good-sized team of them because they watched all of those sessions and, you know, probably took their, t their scientific measurements. And one of the first things they discovered was it didn't matter who the therapist was. For all of you therapists, I'm really sorry, but you might know that. Um, in fact, it doesn't matter who's up here speaking either because it matters who you are as a listener. Um, the second thing they found, though, is that it mattered how the, the therapy person, the person in therapy, um, responded and received themselves. Um, and I'm going to read this paragraph. Examinations of hundreds of hours of recorded therapy showed that certain clients were doomed to fail and that you could pick those clients from the get-go. Listening to these recordings, Genlund observed that when a therapy client turned inward in a particular way, he or she moved forward. Clients who didn't do this turning inward remained stuck. The wisdom of the time said to separate those people who were good prospects for therapy from those that weren't and just take those who succeed, he recalls. But we couldn't stand that. So the instructions of focusing are how to find that inner contact. And that's really what he began to study is what is the difference and how can we help people find that difference? So instead of, say, um, you know, being in a therapy situation and just rerunning your anger story or your shame story or your guilt or fear story, we can get caught in those cycles and just keep running, running, running through them. Um, the felt sense that I'm talking about is they get past that anger story and they drop. They drop into something, and they start saying uh, things like, oh, it feels, you know, like uh, got, got some tightness back here. Uh, you know, they start to lose words um, for that felt sense. And they found that there's a key, there's the mechanism is, is in that felt sense. When we can approach that felt sense. And the other part of the mechanism is not just finding it, but learning the kindness with ourselves. So a lot of times when we 
bump up against our own um, discrepancies, our own humanity, um, we have what's called an inner critic. Do any of you have an inner critic? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> some of you do, great. Um, you also have an inner lover. And yet that voice might not be as loud. So what we're doing in focusing, I think, is we are getting acquainted with our inner lover. We are bringing that inner lover to our inner critic and maybe just balancing them out at most, um, or at least, um, and bringing that kindness to those things within ourselves that um, maybe we don't like or maybe we've been carrying for a long time. And this approach can help you deal with, um, well, of course, you know, traffic in the grocery store line, but it can also deal, help you deal with um, really deep trauma. Um, none of it happens overnight. None of it's a switch. But developing, I think it's like developing a new language with yourself. It's like a completely new relationship with yourself. It's, it's absolutely self-compassion absolutely self-compassion and a lot of times in, in in communities and in churches we know how to take care of someone else um, but if your bucket is going empty that might be a sign you're not taking very good care of yourself and out of an empty bucket there's only so much that you can do only so much so what was I going to read next? Let's see. Breathe. The Muslim tradition, or at least um, Imam Jamal, who I got a chance to meet um, a year or so ago, and he's just this bubbling over joyful guy. Um, he says sacred holding is the word that he uses for it. And he, got, he was taught this by his grandfather, which is, of course, how we should teach our grandchildren, um, at least part of it. it. says, transformation can potentially occur if we are willing to go within and be present with our own feelings of fear, disappointment, anger, and grief. The Sufis refer to this stance as trembling. I love that word, trembling, and believe that trembling has the potential to shake open our heart and connect it to the heart. So what he learned, what Imam Jamal learned from his grandfather is the importance of tending to his own trembling heart. He reminds us that not all experiences of trembling are ben beneficial. Only when you can approach that trembling with compassion for yourself and then that trembling becomes sacred. And in the focusing tradition, what often happens when we can be in, with that nurturing, caring presence with ourselves, um, after a while, we feel a shift. It changes, and we carry it differently. If you think about it as energy, we can release some of that bad, yuck energy um, and allow the good energy, the good light, to continue to flow through us. Yeah. Sacred holding is a method of cultivating compassion for oneself. This practice notices, 
invites us to notice, name, and nurture awareness of all of our feelings, especially the negative ones. Um, rather than impulsively expressing, repressing, denying, shoving, obsessing about them. By be we begin by allowing ourselves, and you're going to get to do this in a few minutes, um, to experience the feeling of this disturbance, of the, the, the yuck, um, and then to name it. Um, I'm not sure you have to name it, but you know, getting to know it is a good thing. Um, after naming it, we locate it where we're feeling it in our body. Sometimes you have a sense, it's often in the torso, um, of where you're feeling um, the, the yuck or the heavy or there's just something. Um, and even putting a hand on that place just is a reinforcement to yourself that you're with that thing in yourself. Encompassing the physical sensations in our body with the embrace of your soul and be soul. From your heart, we send love and nurture to this place in our body. Our body carries these things. You know, you've heard of fight, flight, and freeze, those responses. Um, if we don't allow the emotional processes to happen, our body just puts a pause button on it, and we carry them. One of the things that happens with this process is we can unpause it, and the, you know, we, we're so often afraid of this place because we fear that we won't survive it, that it will overwhelm us. But it's often like naming the elephant in the room. Once you say its name, it loses its power. And when you can be present with some of these things, and sometimes they just need to be listened to, sometimes they just need to be acknowledged, sometimes they need to tell their story, sometimes they need some encouragement to come out, but then often they release, they dissipate. Harry Potter's got a lot of really fun images for that kind of thing, but they, they just release and they go on their way. If you've ever talked to a child um, that's been hurt in a moment, you know, they have passion about it, they can. And it is a huge deal. But if you can listen to them and let them tell you about, you know, like this thing that it, like is traumatic, um, most of the time, of course, not all the time, they tell you, they sit with it, and then, okay, they're ready to play now. And you're like, okay, I guess I did need to freak out about that. <laughs> you know, if we can tell our stories, then we don't have to carry them anymore. And that's really the process. And that's really some of the, the, be, the deep wisdom of that. So when we, when we find those places, we can, we can even use the words for ourselves. I'm sorry. I'm sorry this is hard for you. Sorry this is difficult. I'm sorry you've had to carry this. Let me support you. Let me love you. Let me nurture you. It's okay. Now, sometimes, before we get into this, um, there are two things that can be stumbling blocks. How many minutes have I had? What does that mean? Okay. When did I start? Me neither. Okay. Um, we're getting there. We're just about there. Oh, nice. You're so sweet. Um, a couple blocks that can get in the way of the process. Um, one, we have a hard time finding feelings. 
If you've ever asked a man in your life, how are you feeling? And they just freak out, like blank stare. Um, we've been taught to not feel stuff, to just grit through, right? So there can be a process of using maybe different words, like what's the weather like in there? Um, what temperature, you know, or, you know, maybe start with a sore throat or something and help that get into your body. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, um, what was the other thing? Affection teacher. We may not have a good connection with that affection and nurture. So if, you if we walk through this today and there's a couple stumbling blocks, know that that's totally normal, that some of us will have to go through, and you have resources on the sheets that you have handed out to you, um, and look back and find who was your affection teacher. Was it, was it a parent, if you're lucky? Um, was it a grandparent, if you're lucky? Was it a dog? You know, was it your own child? Was it yourself? We have the, the capability. It's just not always necessarily in those uh, places where we wanted them. Could have been a teacher. Oh, whoa, sorry. Um, could have been a lot of things. So those are two things that may come up that might get in the way of the process. Okay. Um, so if you're ready, or if you're not, we're going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> and you can have some quiet space. Um, but what I'll do is I'm going to walk you through um, the method that I practice most of the time. Um, and it's the bio-spiritual focusing page. There's no need for you to look at it right now. Um, but what I'll do is just kind of walk you through this process. And what we'll do first is just breathe and then bring our awareness into our bodies. And then I'll ask you a couple questions. Um, what's taking up space? What's keeping me from feeling fine? Um, what, you know, just what seems to want attention? And what we'll do then, once you find something, sometimes you'll find something that's just kind of annoyance that you can set aside, and we'll look past that to the thing that really wants our attention today. Um, an important caveat here, um, sometimes you'll find something you don't want to be with. Probably not today because it's your first time, but maybe not. Um, it's always okay to sit with the feeling of not wanting to be with this. This is never a push practice. It's a very gentle practice. So if you bump up against something, um, and this has happened to me, or like, oh, yep, this is the one. This is the one I thought I buried for good. This is the one I don't want. If you feel that, sit with how you don't like it. You know, just allow yourself however much space you need it to have. If you want to visualize it being in the next building or beside you or behind you or just kind of thinking about being with you, that's great. Okay. And then after that, what we're going to do is I'm just going to give you a little space to get acquainted with it. So what does it look like? Are there any images, colors, memories? Um, does it have a story? And I'll give you just a couple minutes to discover that. And usually that's all we have to do. We don't have to figure out what it is. We don't have to change it, which is, for me, the biggest blessing in this. Um, and then as a group, if you're doing this individually, you could sit with that as long as you wanted and allow that story to unfold. Um, as a group, I'll bring you back. And if you, do hit, if you have hit something, um, put a pause in it and tell yourself you'll come back. And then, you know, 
make good on that promise with yourself. And that at the end of the practice, um, it may be appropriate to offer gratitude to your body for carrying this or for anything that happened to your um, divine presence, however you name that. And then I journal a lot, a lot afterward. But all right, if you would take a breath with me and close your eyes. Just breathe in and breathe out. Remembering your body has its own intelligence and this, we're just participating in the natural way of things. And then bring your awareness into your body. Maybe allow your imagination to follow your breath. And just see if there's anything in there that seems to be taking up space that wants your attention that's keeping you from feeling good right now. If it can be set aside, we'll do that and look for another. Approaching this with curiosity. And when you find the thing that seems to want your attention now, ask if it's okay to be with this. And then we'll sit with whatever that sense is. there's no need to fix or change. We're just going to be with it, offer it our attention. And just being with it, allowing it to unfold or open. like to bring a hand to where you sense it in your body, you can do that. Just offering yourself support and nurture. can keep your eyes closed, I'll begin to bring you back. If this is unfinished, tell your body and yourself that you will come back. Maybe notice if your body feels any different and if there's anything to, to say to yourself or your body to be grateful for. And come back to the room when you're ready with your awareness.
So this is the point where I often have a lot of feedback, but this, I don't think this is the opportunity right now. I'll be here if you want to chat about it. Um, thank you for participating with me. Um, this is, I have a lot of energy for this practice right now because I have watched it. Um, I, I do this with spiritual directees um, and with myself on a regular basis um, and in workshops and we can do this in retreats and stuff. So um, I invite you to make a practice of this as this is something that calls to you today, okay? Um, and I wanna end this moment with a little poem that you may have heard, if I can find it. It's by Hafiz. Does anyone know Hafiz? Hafiz was a Sufi mystic um, with an indelible sense of joy that I'm really attracted to. One day the sun admitted, I am just a shadow. I wish I could show you the infinite incandescence that has cast my brilliant image. I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being.